Well, good morning, Glenridge Church. Uh, we are back in the building this morning. Um, for those that are online that can't be in the building at this morning, it is a wonderful thing to be able to continue our online services. Um, but really a great, great joy to be meeting together, seeing people face-to-face, worshipping together, and enjoying the, 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 act, the full expression of being a priest and being part of the saints and being part of the body of Jesus here in this local church called Glenridge Church. But really excited to be here this morning. So what I want to talk about this morning, we've been, uh, we introduced the year with rebuilding and restoring. It's a rebuilding, restoring, shepherding, and harvesting are the couple, couple of the phrases that we've had. And part of the rebuilding work is we've got to, one of the things that we have to rebuild again now is we've got to rebuild our capacity to meet together. And um, we were talking as an eldership team on Thursday this week, and we were saying how when you haven't been do- using your muscles for very long, they start to atrophy, and um, they don't work like they used to. And one of the things that we haven't been doing for a while is meeting together. And there's many people that are can't wait to start meeting together and start uh, worshipping together, but others have become a little bit atrophied and kind of, do we need to? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? And I really want to encourage us to make sure that we meet together um, as the Bible instructs us to don't give up meeting together. Um, so what I want to do this morning is in the rebuilding process of this next season is I want to talk about why we gather or why we gather on a Sunday morning specifically because we gather in different types of meetings and at different times during the week. We gather in small groups we gather in prayer meetings, and we also gather on a Sunday morning to worship together and to sit under the preaching of the word um, and all that happens on a Sunday. So I want to talk about why do we meet together on a Sunday, and um, hopefully it encourages you, and uh, straight from the scriptures, and we, we, can be a, we can be a church that longs to meet together, longs to be together because of the excitement of what God is going to do amongst us. So... Why do we meet together? In the Bible, under normal circumstances, let me say that because the pandemic has been one in which we haven't been able to meet together, the church gathers regularly and in distinct meetings. It's not like everything is church. If everything is, church, if everything is a church meeting, then nothing is a church meeting. And so we see through the scriptures the church gathers regularly and it gathers distinctly. There are distinct moments of gathering. And the first church, the first church meetings were actually based on the, on the meetings of the synagogue. So, um, in fact, what used to distinguish the Christians from the Jews in the synagogue is that they used to take communion. They used to have the bread and the wine, uh, which represented the body, and the, bloody, the, sorry, the body and the blood of Jesus. And we obviously see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and chapter 14, it speaks about when you come together and when the whole church comes together, it's like these moments when the church comes together and you used to see that they used to do that regularly and distinctly. Of course, you've got to remember that the epistles, Paul's epistles, um, Peter's epistles, those books were written to churches, written to local churches. They were written to, to distinct congregations with their own distinct theological doctrinal issues uh, relational issues that were written. In fact, some of them actually mentioned people that were in those congregations. And those letters were read publicly to the congregation. Remember in those days, 
lots of people couldn't read. So actually what the, their, their way of learning was through oral traditions and through, through the public reading of these things. And so the, 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 the assembly of the, the, of the believers and the, of, the, of the people of God has always been a very powerful, very poignant moment in the week, in the moments that the, they used to gather. And of course, when the Bible talks about the manifold wisdom of God in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, being displayed to the powers and principalities, it's like when the church gathers, there's a demonstration not just to the world around us, but to the powers and the principalities that this is a people group, a group of people under the blood of Jesus, worshiping the name of Jesus. And actually, it's a display of unity. It's a display of, of power and God's regenerative plan for all of humanity displayed in the life of the church. And so these are, these are kind of some of the, the big ideas up front. Actually, this, our meeting together is a very powerful moment. And I want to talk about, I want to look at Acts chapter 2, and then I want to go to, and I want to just kind of take the chapters of 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Corinthians 13, and talk about some of the benefits that we get from why we meet together and kind of what the scriptures say of what happens and why, why it's good for us to meet together, not just to meet each other online, but to actually meet each other face to face and to enjoy the, the, the corporate assembly of the believers. So Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this. It talks about the, the believers devoting themselves, a whole bunch of people that got saved, and it speaks about them devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread. And um, this that devoted themselves is a very powerful thing because right up front, as these people come to know Jesus, they understand this is that they've got to gather together. And it's not because somebody told them to. It's like they devoted themselves. It was part of their, their, their communal life, their very family-orientated communal life that the church, early church began to meet. It was like a natural first step almost. And it talks about them devoting themselves. And I think for us as believers that are detached from that in a very individualistic kind of world in which we see ourselves individualistically with a kind of private faith, I think it doesn't come naturally that actually when you get saved, you automatically think, actually, well, I need to be with the believers. If we're living in, a, in the persecuted world, it, wouldn't, it would be a no-brainer. You, you go to India, you go to China, the, the, the church longs to be with each other. The church longs to, to gravitate and gravitate towards one another where their strength and courage and, and faith gets built. But in a Western world where actually there's no persecution and kind of we've got lots of options, the, the gathering of the believers becomes an option, an optional extra for the believer. And when you look at the scriptures in so many ways, right through the scriptures, old and new in fact, there's this gathering of the people of God that provides and and resources them in a very unique way. And one of the things under this point of they devoted themselves that I think we've got, to, we've got to remember this, is that as disciples, as followers of Jesus, and a, a disciple is a disciplined learner. It's somebody that's always learning. A disciple never stops learning. As soon as you stop learning, you're no longer a disciple. And we never stop learning until we go to the grave one day. And so part of the, I want to say this, the rule of life for a disciplined learner is to gather together with the believers. And when I say rule of life, there's an old um, 
term, this rule of life, which was, which was the way that people ordered their day to include God. So in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, you'd have moments with God, 10 minutes here and, and 10 minutes before you go to bed and maybe an hour in the morning or something like that. You, you, these people, it's called the rule of life. And I think part of the rule of life of a disciplined learner is the gathering of the believers. There's a grace that comes to us that's on us as we gather together as a church, as a community. Remember, the building is not the church. The building is a building. It's a venue. It's a tool for the task. The church is the people. And so the, when the church gathers, there's, a, there's an essential means of grace. There's a grace that is released whereby the believers worship and are equipped to live as God, God with God's witnessing people in the world. There's, there's something that happens in that meeting that you can't replicate outside of that meeting. Even in a smaller group, it's not the same dynamic. Even in a prayer meeting, it's a different dynamic. And I think God wants us to have all of those dynamics as disciplined learners, as followers of Jesus that are, that are, that are learning to grow in the grace that is ours in Christ. And it continues to say they, they, they devoted themselves, and it, and it talks about the believers meeting together. They, they met together. They, they worshiped together. And one of the great benefits we have when we gather on a Sunday is worship. I think one of the things that people have said they've missed the most is worshiping together. And there's something that happens in a corporate setting of faith, corporate faith. And even if you're not feeling full of faith, you get carried on the faith of others in a corporate setting as the people of God worship him. And really one of the reasons that we, that we gather is to glorify Jesus. In fact, the, the most important thing that we do when we gather is to glorify Jesus. Probably the second most important thing is to become a better follower of Jesus, to be equipped in the ways of Jesus. And so, but to glorify Jesus, to encounter Jesus in unique ways, um, this is part of being together. We worship together. A strong theology of gathering combats our individualistic worship. It helps us to understand that we find God and we follow God, not just as it's not just a personal relationship. We have a personal relationship with God, but it's not an individualistic relationship that we have with God. And when we gather together, we realize this is I need the body for me to be what I'm called to be. I need people around me. I need the voices of people. I need the presence of my friends and my family and those that I fellowship with. When we worship together, I want to say this as well about our worship, a strong theology of gathering combats consumer-orientated worship. So what we can do is we get into our favorite songs and, into our, and it becomes all about me and what God needs to do for me. But when we're in a corporate setting, when somebody else is setting the songs, setting the agenda for the day, Actually, we learn the discipline. It's not about me. It's about the bigger picture. It's about the whole congregation. I'm not the only person there. And it starts to combat not just our individualistic view of worship, but it helps to combat our consumer-related version of worship. Sometimes, friends, just us being there by the discipline of being there, being present, our worship helps those that are feeling not great, not full of faith, but actually our presence and our worship adds to the corporateness of those people being strengthened 
and encourage. It's not just about what I can get out of a meeting. It's what actually I can bring to a meeting. And that doesn't mean sharing publicly from the front of the, the house, uh, but actually just a word, just you being there, just your presence influences and affects the bigger body. The believers were together, it says in Acts chapter 2. They prayed together, they worshipped together, they prayed together, they broke bread together. And on a Sunday, really the break, the break, and it goes on to say they met home to home and they break, broke bread in each other's homes as well. And so the breaking of bread is meant to be done corporately, but it's also meant to be done home to home. The breaking of bread actually was a meal, a real meal, not just a nip and a sip that we kind of do to represent something of a meal. And this is kind of why we, break, we come together and, and we do it house to house, but we also have an opportunity where we actually together participate, where we identify with the body that is around us. I'm not just saved by myself. I'm saved into a body. I'm saved into a family. And we recognize that under Christ, saving blood, saving power. We also fellowship together. They fellowship together. They were together in worship. They were together in prayer. They broke bread together. And they fellowship together. Fellowship is, is not that we're French friends with everybody. We're always friendly to everybody. But we're not always good friends with everybody in our congregation. And it would be unrealistic to expect us to be. But what God has done in pulling us together, he's put us on mission together. He's put fellowship has got to do the word koinonia. has got to do with partnership. It's got to do with the mission. It's got to do with the partnership. You would be in koinonia with, with a whole bunch of people owning a boat and doing a fishing business. It's like you're together in that business for the sake of fishing. And actually what God puts us together in fellowship is he, he makes sure that our, our, the re, one of the reasons why we meet together is to make sure we, we understand that we're always part of a bigger picture. It's not just about me and my family. We're actually part of a fellowship that's on a mission to impact and change the nations of the world, the city that we live in, the neighborhoods that we're in. And it helps us to realize it's not just about me. It's actually about God for me, but me for the nations. And it is an incredibly important part of being together. In all of this, I think I want to say this about Acts chapter 2. If you read Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and you kind of just start reading it there. It's so important that we gather well so that we can scatter well. We gather well so that we can scatter well. We gather together so that we can scatter together. And when we start to realize that the, 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 the effectiveness and the real kind of active life of the church is not on the four walls of a Sunday, but out in everyday life in the marketplace or wherever we are, we start to realize that actually we need the gathering so we can scatter well, so that we can, we can be lights, so that we can be the vessels and the agents of God in the world around us. And if we can gather well together, we will scatter well during the week. And a church that understands that it's called to scatter, that it's called to go into the world and do work and do business and be in the marketplace and be students and be pupils and be family, and when you're in that marketplace, you're getting tossed backwards and forwards with a million, and, and the world is pulling you and distorting you in a million ways, pushing you this way and that way. What's the sanity that we have, friends, is that we need to gather well where, again, God puts the plumb line in front of us. He reminds us and refreshes us. It's like that old story that I spoke about last Sunday of, of the diamond sorter that needs to constantly, every now and again, have a look at the, the original, what the perfect diamond looks like. 
so that he doesn't get his eye tainted by the imperfections of the diamonds that he's sorting. And it's the same thing. When we're a church that scatters, when we know that our life and our ministry is not just on the four walls of a church for a couple of hours on a Sunday, but in all of life, we need to, we need to allow the voice of God, the, the biblical preaching of the word, the corporate worship of the word to hold us. It's like a plumb line that brings us back to God when we begin pulled and getting distorted and, and all these voices are around us. Actually, this is what God's saying. This is what God says of me. This is what God wants to do. Remind and remember. It's a moment of gather. We remind and we remember. We gather together well so we can scatter well. We gather together so we can get reminded and we can remember who we are, what we call to, that we can be strengthened and encouraged to get back out there day, week after week, day after day, to live the lives that count for Jesus, to be trained and equipped for the general call of God in our lives and maybe even the specific call of God on our lives where God activates in these moments of talking and breaking in of God into many things in our lives. It is the expression of the family of God as we gather together and we're always reminded that we can come back to family, can come back to the safe place and be refreshed, be strengthened, be trained, be equipped and go out and be what God's called us to be. When I read Acts chapter two, I see this group of people that are coming together and then scattering, coming together and going out, coming together and being released and coming together. And this is the, the discipline of grace and the, the wonderful thing that disciplined learners start to develop as we walk with God. Friends, don't take meeting on a Sunday together for granted. Some countries, some places, you're not allowed gathering as believers. And uh, we take that for granted because we've got so many options and, we, and it's so legitimately part of what we're allowed to do in this country. And uh, let's, let's make sure we make use of that together as we, as we move forward. So I want to move on to 1 Corinthians. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 12, and 13, and kind of I'm not going to read the text. I'm just going to, I'm just going to take one or two portions. That I'd love to encourage you to go and read 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14, talking about the gathering of the people of God. 1 Corinthians 14 is really towards um, how they gathered, which is what I want to do next week. I want to talk this week on why we gather, but next week on how we gather, how, how meetings look, why we do what we do, and how, we, how do we facilitate the voice of God as a community as we're worshiping together and as we're preaching together. So that's what we're going to That's 1 Corinthians 14. But let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 11. And um, the heading of this, I, would, I want to say this. When we gather together, 1 Corinthians 11 teaches us that we are to appreciate, to value, and be considerate of the other. And when I say the other, I'm talking about some people that are so different to us. And they get rebuked in 1 Corinthians 11 because they're having these love feasts, but they're excluding people. And, he's, and uh, it goes on that he goes on to say that your meetings are actually doing more harm than good because you're not representing the gospel well as you meet together. You see, friends, when we gather together, it teaches us about the other and the fact that we need each other. Even the other that you don't like or don't prefer, we need each other. And what happens is, is when we don't meet together with the other, we start to only meet with me and my friends, which are very much like me. 
And what happens is it limits our growing and maturity opportunities because actually you know where you grow the most is when you start to see and appreciate the otherness in people. And what I get from 1 Corinthians 11 is that we've got to, that one of the reasons why we meet on a Sunday is to appreciate value and be considerate of the other. It teaches us about the other. And um, we talk about being with people. We have in our meetings homeless people that, are, that live rough on the street. And we've got business owners and doctors and students and all sorts and everything in between. People that are highly educated, people that are not very educated. People that speak French, people that speak Zulu, people that speak Afrikaans, people that speak English, people that speak all sorts of different languages. We've got lots of otherness amongst us, and we have the privilege of having that otherness amongst us. And that otherness stretches us. And so when we sing a Zulu song, and then people say, well, why don't you sing an Afrikaans song, or why don't we sing a French song? Friends, all we're doing is we're just stretching each other into understanding that actually we're not here to be consumers. We're here to, and we're here to, 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 to be stretched. And remember, it's not just about me. It's about the other. And actually, we're just representing something of our nation. We're representing something. We, we're kind of putting something in, the, in there about actually we're about other. And we do every now and again sing an Afrikaans song, although we haven't done so for very long. Or even a French song. But friends, the point is this, we stretch each other and it's like the scriptures talk about iron sharpening iron. And that's what happens when we meet together. It helps us live out the fact that difference doesn't lead to division in the body of Christ. It demonstrates the fact that actually, even if I don't like the guy that's preaching or I don't like the style of worship, I'm still together with my family. And actually, there's something that God puts us together, and he puts us together in a body of love. And actually, we push through the uncomfort of that, and we start to find pleasure in the difference and the other. Friends, the church is the model of diversity in unity that the, the nation of South Africa, that the globe, that the world needs at the moment. And we need to be that model. We're actually, we're not living for ourselves. We're living for the sake of others. And that gets demonstrated when we meet together and we enjoy one another and we begin to enjoy the otherness. In very short, friends, the gospel is the only thing that is apolitical, inclusive, and has the power to unite the world. The gospel is the only thing. Jesus Christ is the only person that, is, that is, pushes aside politics pushes aside all the disunity, pushes aside and brings people into relationship with each other, which means into relationship with each other and gives us the power to live with diversity and unity. That's what I get out of just a quick, there's way more of that, way more in 1 Corinthians 11, but just a quick snapshot. We haven't got time. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Two parts I want to talk about. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is about the gifts and about the body. And um, the first point I want to make while we gather together is to benefit from the common good that comes from the different parts of the body. 
And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 7 talks about this. There are different gifts, kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Different kinds of gifts. Listen, think about that. There's many different kinds and expressions of gifts, but it's the same spirit. But there's this unity of spirit that brings all of that together for the benefit of the body. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So it's the same spirit and the same Lord that facilitates different kinds of gifts, that facilitates different kinds of service. There are different kinds of working, different ways that each of these things are expressed, different results, different fruits that comes from the expression of these gifts in so many different ways. I mean, what God does on a Sunday as he speaks from his word or when he speaks in worship through the prophetic or whatever, however does it or in the coffee with one another, there's so many different ways of working but the same God works all of them in all men, it says in verse 6. So it's the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. The same Spirit, the same Jesus, and the same Father is working with this body together. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so when we, the reason, one of the reasons why we gather together is that this common good that comes from the expression of the gifts the manifestation of the gifts, again, not all from the front on the mark, but all to each other in informal ways and in formal ways as the body comes together, as God uses and knits that all together. And he goes on to talk about um, the different kinds of gifts, which are wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miraculous powers and distinguishing of spirits and tongues and the interpretation of tongues, all of which, friends, are meant to be manifest as the body meets together. 1 Corinthians was written to the Corinthian church, not to somebody called Corinthian. It was written to a group of people that were getting it wrong. And so Paul writes this letter to bring correction to the way they were expressing their values and their doctrine and their theology. It goes on to say in that 1 Corinthians 12, that no, and, and I'm summarizing here, that no part of the body can say that you don't need me. And nobody, no part of the body can say, I don't need you. In verse 16, he says, he, he, he talks about the hand or the, the arm or the foot can't say, I don't need you. Or uh, you can't say, I'm not he, I'm, I, I don't need this part of the body. Look at verse 16 and verse 21. Friends, no part of the body can say, you don't need me. And no part of the body can say, I don't need you. Which means that every part of us needs me and every part of us needs you. And so this is why we meet together, because we need each other. And maybe it's just your presence. Maybe it's just the sound of your voice. Maybe it's your contribution from the front. Maybe it's your paying for a coffee or being generous with somebody. But we need each other. And why we meet together is because no part of the body can meet without you, be, be whole without you, and no part of the body can be whole without me. And we need each other. Friends, your contribution matters. We've got to believe that. The second part, the first part of 1 Corinthians 12, is to benefit from the common good of the body at different parts. There's common good that comes from the gifts being expressed, and then he starts to talk about the different parts of the body. The second part about 1 Corinthians 12 I want to bring out, I want to summarize it with this statement. God arranges and combines the body in very specific ways to meet the needs of the body. God arranges and combines the body. 
exactly how he needs it. This is absolutely profound. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 to 26. But in fact, God has arranged, arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, every one of them, you, me, Gary, who's sitting here recording, and everybody else. God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So it's amazing. God arranges for you and me to be part of Glenridge Church, that when we meet together, the body can be complete and do what it's called to do. If they, are, if they were all one part, where would the body be? If we were all afoot, where would the body be? Nowhere. That's what he's trying to say. Actually, because of our difference, God arranges and combines. As it is, there are many parts but one body. Skip to verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So if you're weak, the Bible says you're indispensable to the body. It's quite a strange thing. It's almost like God puts the body together, arranges and combines us together that there actually are weak parts amongst us. And there are strong parts amongst us. And maybe the weak parts don't always stay weak parts. And maybe the strong parts don't always stay strong parts. But in the general Gathering of the belief, there's weak faith and there's strong faith. There's, there's weak emotions and strong emotions. And there's, there's weak finances and there's strong finances. They're across the board. And he says those parts are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. It's amazing, eh? So the world would say, well, if, you haven't, if you're weak, you're worthless. Actually, the church says, the body of Christ says, no, if you're weak, we treat you with special honor. And we honor those parts. Nobody is dishonored. No matter whether you're weak or strong, there's value. That's what honor means. Value is attributed to you, wherever you are and whoever you are. And the parts that are in, unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Think about this. If what are the parts of your body that are unpresentable? And you might think they're very presentable. That's why you wear clothes. But even, even kind of, we wear, we wear these clothes so that we can, it, we have modesty. We, we, there's some parts I, I kind of don't want you to see of my body. So, so we cover them up. And he says here, the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. We clothe them. We cover them. We don't bring attention to them. We don't embarrass them we we treat them with special modesty in the same way as we treat our we clothe ourselves with modesty because we don't want to present unpresentable parts that are unhelpful to others and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty verse 24 while our presentable parts needs no special treatment so the presentable they don't need any special treatment we, 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 we just, we, we constantly make sure that we're valuing and we're treating everybody with honor. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Isn't that incredible? God arranges it. God arranges who's going to be in Glenridge Church, and then he puts a combination together. It's the ultimate Kingdom combination, a local church. Glenridge Church, I want to say to you, you are a great combination. God has arranged us to be together, and God has combined us for a 
for a mission and for a, for a part to play in seeing the glory of God come to the world. And he's put us together and that each of the parts should have equal concern for one another. We don't take those that are rich and give them special seats and give them special parkings and give them special treatment. No, no, it says those that don't need it don't need any of that. Actually, if anything, we should be elevating those that are unpresentable. If one part suffers, each part, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices. And so we have this dynamic where when there's suffering, we share the testimony, please pray for me. And maybe we call people up for some word of knowledge and we pray for them. And there's other times when, when there's a rejoicing, there's a celebration moment and we gather together and we rejoice with them. And it's this moment together of the body and this parts working together where God has arranged us and combined us and everybody is valued. Friends, living like that and living in a community like that doesn't come normally. Because the people that we normally value are very much like ourselves. Because we value ourselves most in many ways. Moving quickly to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 11. We spoke about appreciating, valuing, and being considerate to the other. How we need the other. And when we meet together, we get the influence of the other. When um, 1 Corinthians 12 is, 12 is about the common good that we benefit from as each part does its work. And, and as 1 Corinthians 12 is also how God arranges and co combines the body so that for our benefit, if, and that's part of why we meet, is to get the benefit of that and for us to be learning and training around those things. And then 1 Corinthians 13 is to help us to live out love. And we know 1 Corinthians 13, it gets read out in weddings a lot. It goes like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong and or a clanging cymbal. I can speak in the, I can be the most spiritual person out, but if I haven't got lung of love, I'm just making a noise. It's meaningless, it's worthless. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing, he says. Most spiritually gifted person, operating in faith, it's not in love. He doesn't say what he's doing is nothing. He says, I am nothing. I am nothing. I'm making a noise and I'm nothing. I'm, 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 I've got no value to add to that conversation or to this body. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. I'm making a lot of noise without love. I actually am betraying who I am without love and I gain nothing without love. The motivation of love is so important. And friends, the re one of the reasons why we gather together, it's easy to love people that are not like us. It's easy to love people like ourselves. It's easy to love people from a distance. It's easy to say we love people, but to worship together, to find fellowship together, and to learn to express love with the gifts operating, every part doing its work, is only tested when we're with people together. And friends, we, 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 we kind of take that to another level in home groups and small groups and different forums and prayer meetings. But friends, one of the reasons why we gather on a Sunday is to express the love of God, to be an expression of the love of God um, in our midst. Friends, we gather together to glorify Jesus. We gather together to encounter God in, in various and in, in, through the gifts of the body. 
We gather together to be together, to fellowship to one another. We gather together to build family. We gather together to be drawn in, into and be part of the biggest story of the kingdom, of the city, of the mission to the nations, of the world. Actually, we're part of a bigger body. It's not just about us. We gather together to be encouraged by the testimony of others, to gather together to be taught and equipped and, and, and by the preaching of the word of God. We gather together to enjoy the gifts of others. We gather together to, to, to experience the love of God in a corporate level. We gather together because good disciples know they need each other. And we want to make sure that that means of grace is gained in our lives. Friends, let, let coming to church on a Sunday, to us, to, it's even coming to church, coming to the meeting of the church on a Sunday be not something that we, that we have to choose. It's something that we do. As soon as it becomes a choice, another option becomes appealing. Friends, it's part of our life as a learned disciple to do that week in and week out and to start to reap the benefit of that. I want to say to you, as we start to gather again, come prepared. Come prepared. What are you going to contribute? What are you going to bring to this meeting? It might be a cup of coffee for somebody. It might be a prophetic word for somebody. It might be an encouragement. It might be something that you need to share from the front to encourage the body. It might be a tongue. It might be an interpretation of a tongue. It might be a gift of wisdom or a gift of knowledge. Friends, and that might be public or it could be private. But come prepared, come prepared, and come expectant. Come expectant for God to move. As we begin to gather again, I think it's so good to revisit some of these basic values that for the reason that we gather together on a Sunday, let's put them into practice, let's put them, take them into, heart, into our hearts, and let's be a church that's ready to gather and see the fire of God, the power of God, the saving power of God come onto people's lives and release them into the nations of the world. Bless you and have a great, great Sunday. If you're at home and you haven't been able to make the meeting, look forward to seeing you next Sunday. It's safe. There's registrations. We're meeting together. It's going to be amazing to see your face. Bless you and have a great day.